This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to present the original radio broadcast from 80 years ago during the days of the war, with the occasional more recent radio program about the war or entertainment from the day. Today, we have the debut episode of Everything for the Boys, which aired January 18, 1944 over NBC. This series was aimed at servicemen and written by radio legend Arch Obler. Each episode featured a play requested by those servicemen, followed by interviews with Americans serving overseas. Actor Ronald Coleman was the host and starred in most of the dramatic plays, along with a rotating cast of guest stars. In this episode, Ginger Rogers is his co-star. Everything for the Boys aired over NBC until June of 1945. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Be sure to visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com slash podcast where you find links to past episodes and other information. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ww2radio. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From Hollywood, California and the bomber base in England, Autolite brings you everything for the boys. The Command Theater of the Air, starring Mr. Ronald Coleman and his guest for tonight, Miss Ginger Rogers. The play, Arch Obler's radio dramatization of The Petrified Forest. for the boys is presented by the Electric Autolite Company and its 22 great manufacturing plants. Builders of precision equipment for 35 years. World famous for Autolite spark plugs, batteries, wire, cable, and electrical systems for automotive, aviation, and marine use. This is Ronald Coleman. Two American flyers are waiting for this broadcast in the shadow of a flying fort at a bomber base a few miles outside of London. Soon, these boys will leave for another bombing mission on Hitler's crumbling European fortress. Our famous guests for this evening, Miss Ginger Rogers and I, are going to speak by special overseas radio directly to these men. But before that, at their express command, we are going to bring to them and to you the first of our great players. Gentlemen of the Army Air Forces, we are at your command. 
message to you sitting at home, awaiting this play about to be sent to two boys, perhaps your own sons, at that bomber base overseas. I want you to think of a young lady about four years old. She has big tails. And in her hand is the last chubby little bit of an ice cream cone. On her face, besides the ice cream, is the expression that comes to all children when they meet the realization that the ice cream cone must once more become a thing to be dreamed of and not a fact. Men die for things like that. Die so that their children can face squarely the enormous problem of ice cream. A marble rolled down the drain. A kite that got stuck in a tree. You and I are being given today a golden opportunity of seeing to it that the fathers of these children will soon be flying that first kite with their son or handing that ice cream to their small daughter. Today, America begins to pour its entire strength into a drive to raise 14 billions of dollars for fighting equipment for these men. This is our opportunity to say to the father of that little lady, I know what you expect of me. I will buy bonds in the Fourth Warlone Drive. Yes, all of us, every one of us will back the attack. Our command plays Robert Sherwood's classic, The Petrified Forest, as dramatized for radio by Art Obler. Our stars, Mr. Ronald Coleman and his guest, Miss Ginger Rogers. The scene, England. The place, a bomber base. The time, those tense, terrible moments before the takeoff for the target of the night. More coffee, Lieutenant? Thank you, Miss Gabriel. Donuts, Sergeant? Sure, thanks, Miss Gabriel. How much more time is there? Well, there goes the first section. That means we take off in 20 minutes. Well, I'd better get back to work. You're pretty swell. <laughs> what is that coffee you're drinking? Well, I mean it. Well, you can laugh at me, but we fellows know what you've done in this man's war. You know... All these hours waiting, I've been thinking how many people in this world a guy like me is grateful to. War is hell, but... Well, yesterday over the channel, it was as if all at once... Oh, please go on. All at once, it was as if the air all around me was filled with the wings of those RAF flyers who... who died to give us today. So many have given... So much for us. Long before the war began, there were some who knew the meaning of the word sacrifice. Can I ask you where you were long before the war? I was in a combination filling station and lunchroom in a place called Black Mesa, Arizona. No kidding. No kidding. Black Mesa, Arizona. Where first it was day, and then it was night, and... Nothing ever happened, except one day, everything happened. Good afternoon, miss. Can I order something to eat here? Sure. Didn't you see the sign outside? The Black Mesa Barbecue Trial Brew Plate? What do you have? 
What is a barbecue? Well, it's a... I mean, it's a... Why are you looking at me like that? Well, I... I've never seen anybody like you before. <laughs> I am rather dusty and bedraggled. Oh, I didn't mean... Look here, are you just tramping along? Just tramping along. Oh, you're English. Well, you might call me an American cousin. But I... I am rather hungry. What's your name? Uh, Alan Squire. My name's Gabriel Maple. Glad to meet you. How do you do? Huh? Uh, Miss Gabrielle, I, I'm really very hungry. Could you please? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. One hamburger coming up. I say, young fella, would you like to see a picture of that Duke Mantee? I've got a paper. Why, yes. Uh, quite a fellow, Duke Mantee, isn't he? Great Scott, you mean to say this man killed six people? Him and his friends did when they sprung up from the law. He doesn't look very vicious, does he? Oh, you can't tell a killer from his picture. Except for his chin. It's a funny thing about a killer. Always holds his chin. I... I don't think I've ever seen a killer. I have. Plenty of them. Ever hear of Billy the Kid? Oh, yes, indeed. I know them well. He took a couple of shots at me. I congratulate you on still being with us. Well, just wanted to scare the pants off me. <laughs> he did. Here's your barbecue, Mr. Squire. I gave you a little salad on the side. Ah, thank you. Uh, what line of work are you in, mister? Well, I have been the Times a writer. Magazines, want ads, or patent medicine labels? <laughs> your supper's ready in the kitchen, Grant. Hmm? Oh, oh, and I'm ready for it. Well, please permit me, Mr. Squire. Yeah, please permit you, sir. Is your hamburger all right? Mm. Yeah, that's a charming old gentleman. Is he your grandfather? Yeah. I haven't met many writers, except one. He said I ought to go to Hollywood and be sure to look him up. <laughs> what the devil? They never mean it. Oh, I, don't, I don't suppose they do. Of course, you want to go to Hollywood? No. I want to go to France. France? Why? I was born there. You see, my father, he's over in Phoenix today. He was in the war, and he met my mother there. <laughs> and that's how I happened. Oh. Mother's still there. I see. Yep. Some people seem to think it was cruel of her to leave me, but, well, she didn't have any money to take care of me. And she just couldn't live in this place. Do you think she was cruel? Not if you don't, Miss Gabrielle. She sent me a book for my birthday. It's the poems of Francois Villon. Look. Isn't it a beautiful little book? Yes. When I read these poems, they kind of get the stink of the gasoline and the hamburgers out of my system. Would you read one of them to me? Yeah. What do you mean now? Yes. Okay. I'll read you the one I like best. Um, Mine own heart, lady, with no gain saying, You shall be always till I die. Nor cease to serve, but serve more constantly. This is the end for which we twain are met. You know, that's wonderful stuff. But that's the way the French people are. They understand everything. That's why I want to go to France. If I were you, I'd stay here, Gabrielle, and avoid disappointment. What makes you think I'd be disappointed? I've been to France. Why are you here? Mm, Europe's in a mess. Dictators, appeasement, and the inevitable consequences. I want to see America. What are you looking for? Oh, I don't know. Perhaps 
Perhaps an old man who had his pants frightened off him by Billy the Kid and a very pretty young lady who reads the poetry of Francois Villon. I think I like you. Hey, Cab! The sheriff just drove up with a car full of deputies and he says he thinks maybe that Duke Mantee will be heading this way. He killed six people over in Oklahoma City. Did you know that? Yeah, I know that. Oh, okay. Oh, boy, I wish that killer would come this way. I'd sure show him a... He seems to have an abundance of vitamins. Yeah, Bose used to play football. Did you... Did you hear what I said a moment ago when I said I liked you? Yes, I heard you. Well, I... I do other things that would surprise you. I... Uh, I'm sure you do. I paint pictures. Oh. Are they any good? Crime and ain't no... Oh, please let me see them. Well, they're kind of crazy pictures. All the better. I'd like to look. Well, right. You asked for it. I've got a couple here under the counter. Here they are. Well, are they that bad? I, I, I'm impressed. Tremendously impressed. Are you kidding? No, 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 Gabriello. I, I've never kidded anyone. Outside of myself. But this is amazing work. I'm beginning to believe that you're amazing, too. I, I want to paint pictures to make people... Think about other people. Oh, I want that. But I'm not much. I believe you could be. <laughs> not in Black Mesa, Arizona. Now when I have to sit here day after day, you tell me what to do, Mr. Squire. You've got brains. I can see it. Uh, brains without purpose. Noise without sound. Oh, don't listen to me. I, I was born just too late for the last war. And now the world's in a mess again, and I'm afraid there'll be no new war to clear the air. So I'm an intellectual with no place, no faith, and no hope for the future. That's been the way of my life. Where are you going from here? Whatever the road outside leads to. Well, it leads to the petrified forest. It's just a lot of dead old trees in a desert of turned to stone. Petrified forest. That's beautiful resting place for me. I'd like to go away with you. I beg your pardon? I'd like to go away with you. I, I'm afraid, Gabrielle, I, I could never... You mean you haven't enough money? Well, I... Uh... Well, we could sell our way. Oh, you could show me everything. All the wonderful sculpture and painting and explain everything. And, oh, we could have a time together. That's a rather startling proposal, my dear. Wouldn't you like to be loved by me? Yes, Gabrielle. I should like to be loved by you. There's no use of arguing with me, Claire. It's not going to get any cooler until we get out of the desert. Hey, young woman, how far is it to the Phoenix Biltmore? Uh, are those your best cigars? Yep, Phoenix is a good 200 miles from here. Good heavens. Miss, where's the ladies' room? It's that way, ma'am. Would you show me? Yeah. Uh, haven't you got any better cigars than these? No, sir. I say, would you have room in your car for another party? Uh, who is it? Uh, myself. I, uh, I don't know. Did you get the cigars, mister? Well, I don't think they're good enough. Okay. About that ride, sir. You're going uh, away? Yes, I must. Oh, please. Well, George, have you got your cigars? Must we stay here all day? Uh, dear, this gentleman wishes us to give him a lift as far as Phoenix. Well, come ahead. Let's be on our way. Thank you. Uh, you're always in a hurry, Claire. Well, goodbye, Gabrielle. Why must you go? Why? 
I'm a man who was born too late for everything. Man without a place, remember? I... I like you so very much. Will you remember that? Yes. I remember. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, I, I beg your pardon. That's okay, Mr. Hey, hey, Gabby, did you see the swell car those people came in? Oh. That fellow was just looking at your crazy pictures, huh? Yeah, my crazy pictures. Gabby, listen. How about us taking a little walk tonight, huh? Listen, honey, sweet. You gotta grow up sometime. You, you gotta stop being afraid. You think I'm something terrible and you gotta keep away from me. Well, I'm not so bad, Gabby. I'm just a big guy with a good heart and plenty of hot blood. I'm full of love, honey, and so are you. You don't know it yet, but you are. And when we get out there in the moonlight, you... Well, you'll be glad it's happening. Honestly, you will, honey, sweet. Yeah, what's the difference? I'll go with you, Bose. Anytime you want. Gabby. Gabby, I want to go. Bose, not Bose. Oh, Gabby. Gabby. Bose, who was it? Gabby, Gabby, Duke Manti. The killer, Duke Manti. All right, all right. Shut up and stand over there against that wall. You two up there. Over there with the rest of them. Swim. Come on in here. Grab! Come on out here, grab! All right, all right, I hear you. What's all the commotion? What? Who are you? Sit down, you won't get hurt. Oh, you're Duke Manti, aren't you? You're the killer. Sit down, Grandpa. The rest of you, too. Mr. Squire, Alan, I didn't think I'd ever see you again. Look at his chin, Mr. Squire. Remember what I told you? He's a real killer. Uh, I should imagine he is. He's a gangster and a rat. And he ought to be put out of the way. Oh, stop. You're talking about me, halfback. I'm not afraid of you. You better not talk anymore, Bose. Mr. Manti is a peculiar phenomenon. He's a throwback to another age. A man like myself, living outside of his proper time. The difference is that he knows what he wants to do and does it, while I neither know nor do. What you talking about, Duke? I'm listening to him. Thank you. Duke, you know, rather than wait here for the police, I think you'd better come with me. I'm planning to be buried in the petrified forest. I... I've been evolving a theory about that that would interest you. It's the graveyard of the civilization that's moved out from under us. It's the world of... of outmoded ideas. Self-sacrifice, patriotism, the ideal of the unity of mankind, selflessness. Ah. Fools like myself who believe in such nonsense are so many dead stumps in that desert. That's where I belong, and so do you, Duke, for you're the last great apostle of rugged individualism, aren't you? Yeah, maybe you're right, pal. Yeah, I don't fit you out. We are... A... Duke, look out! Oh, God! Then we are the rest of you. Right ahead, back. One more grab at me, I'll next slug me right through your head. Booze, your hand. I had a chance to get his gun in my mouth. <laughs> Tough luck, halfback. Hey, you blonde. Take him out in the kitchen and fix him up. Slim. She's got him banned his time up. A pleasure. Come on, Harold. Does it hurt badly, Booze? Say, Duke. Did you mean to hit him in the hand, or was that just a bad shot? It was a bad shot, Grandpa. I had to get it all fast. Yeah, Duke. 
Do you mind if I reach in my pocket for something? Well, you what? I was traveling with all my worldly possessions on me, this insurance policy. It's my only asset. It's for $5,000, and I I want to endorse it over so that the money would be paid to Miss Gabrielle, that, that young lady in there. By all the holy, he's drunk. Uh, Duke, if these fine, substantial citizens, Mr. and Mrs. Chisholm here, witness my signature, I'm sure the endorsement of the policy over to Miss Gabrielle would be legal. Okay. Thank you. Uh, would you sign here, Mr. Chisholm? Do you realize what you're doing? I do. Thank you for your signature. Mrs. Chisholm? Yes, I'll sign. Thank you. You're in love with her, aren't you? Perhaps I am. It don't mean a thing. He ain't going to die. Insurance policy is no good to her. He ain't going to die. I believe that's where you're wrong, Graham. Hmm? You listen to this. That blonde girl has heroic stuff in her. She has the, the, the energy, the vitality with which to fight the future battles. Why, she may be one of the immortal women of the France where she was born. Another Joan of Arc or, or Georges Sand or Madame Curie. I want to show her that I believe in her and how else can I do it? Living, I'm worth nothing to her. Dead, I can buy her the tallest cathedrals and golden vineyards and dancing in the streets. One well-directed bullet will accomplish that. One bullet, Duke. Will you do it? I'll think it over, pal. Mr. Squire, you're crazy as a loon. There ain't a woman alive who ever did live that's worth $5,000. Ah, you're a forgetful old man, Gramp. Any woman is worth everything that any man has to give. Anguish, ecstasy, faith, jealousy, love, hatred, life or death. <laughs> when you reach my age, you'll learn better sense. George, did you hear that? I heard. Gramp, that granddaughter of yours, do you know what she is? Uh, what is she? She's the future. She's the renewal of vitality and courage and aspiration. All the strength that's gone out of you and out of me. And, uh, uh, Mrs. Chisholm, please don't look at me like that. Well, all I know is I... I wish you were talking about me. Duke! Duke, the road, I think there's a car coming. We ought to lamb out of here. Yeah, the back way. Mr. and Mrs., whatever your name is. Me? Yeah, you and your wife are coming along with us. Please shut up. Your important stuff. While you're with us, nobody will shoot at me. But we were. For heaven's sake, George, keep quiet and do what he says. Take them out the back way, Slim. Okay. Come on, you two. Come on. Well, how about me, Duke? Me, too? You better stay right where you are. Oh. Alan Bose will be all right. He can't. Where is everybody? God, sister. I'm going, too. You better stay right here for a while. You wait. Alan, why? Duke, come back. What's the matter, pal? Duke. Yeah. What I asked you to do before. You still want that? It's no matter whether I want it or don't want it. You've got to do it. You hear me? You've got to do it. Okay, pal. Alan! Try to do it so it wouldn't hurt, pal. I'll be seeing you soon. Hello. Oh, Alan. Gosh, a <laughs> He really meant for him to do it. Oh, Alan. It, it doesn't hurt. It, at least it doesn't seem... Grab somebody quick. No. No use. Uh, Gramps. Right. It's funny, isn't it? Uh, what, Alan? What did uh, you say? Uh, funny, I... 
I had to come all this way to find a reason to live and die. <sighs> Alan. Gabby. Gabby, listen. His life insurance for $5,000. He said it was for you because you were, I think he said, the future. Does that make any sense to you? We'll bury him out there in the petrified forest. What? What? That's what he wanted. Oh. The, the sheriff. I'll go call the sheriff. My, my own heart, you shall be always till I die. Nor cease to serve, but serve more constantly. This is the end for which we tell a myth. Mr. Ronald Coleman and his guest star, Miss Ginger Rogers, in Arch Obler's dramatization of The Petrified Forest. At this moment, two American boys at a flying base in England are waiting to speak to the folks at home. It's after midnight there now, and... Oh, one minute. Hold on. Is that a signal from our engineer? Start call ready? You talk to him first, huh, Ronnie? <laughs> Hello. Hello, Staff Sergeants Cassidy and Badnin. Are you there? This is Staff Sergeant Cassidy. Is that you, Mr. Coleman? Yes, Sergeant. Is Sergeant Badman with you? Yes, he is. Hello, Sergeant Badman. How are you? Sergeant Badman, are you there? He's here all right, Miss Rogers. He's scared he can, can't talk, and so am I. Scared? <laughs> you fellas? Oh. Well, we've been on plenty of missions, but we never figured our next one would be to talk to Ginger Rogers. Oh, I think you're very sweet. I like you too, Ginger. Who said that? That's Sergeant Badman. He's recovered. <laughs> Sergeant Cassidy, uh, our new program is Everything for the Boys. So what can we do for you? Well, we talked it over and we were wondering, uh, could you, I mean, could you sort of let us hear the things we missed? Well, what, for instance? Well, we've been feeding a fine over here, but ice cream sodas. Honestly, don't know a soda from fish and chips. <laughs> well, what'll it be, boys? Can we hear a double chocolate soda being mixed with whipped cream on top? Well, no sooner said than done. Uh, Jim Bannon, uh, some ice cream syrup and soda water, please. Three scoops of ice cream. Three. One, two, three. Oh, Mammy, show me the way to go home. Oh, uh, there it is, boys. Now, what do we do with it, huh? Have Miss Rogers drink it and take with me. <laughs> well, I understand, Sergeant Cassidy, that you are very anxious to have us get you some information about your sister's new baby, your very first niece, hmm? I'll say, uh, Mr. Foreman, I've never had much to do with babies before. Not as young as Connie Ray, I'm <laughs> Did you find out anything about her? We certainly did, Sergeant. 
Connie Ray is as healthy as she could be and growing like a little weed. That's good. Uh, we also heard that she has your disposition. <laughs> Uh-oh, that's bad. <laughs> you have a sister, too, haven't you, Sergeant Batman? You bet I do, Mr. Coleman. She lives right there in Los Angeles. How far along since you last heard her voice? Gosh, let me think. Well, all I can say is that it's been too long. Well, then it's high time something was done about it. What do you mean, Miss Rogers? Just this, Sergeant. Hi, Harry. This is your sister, Helen. Oh, gosh, this is the biggest surprise I've ever had, Helen. Gosh, it's good to hear your voice. Harry, I can hardly talk. Come on, sis. Harry, you know the folks... You didn't tell the folks that you're in the Air Forces. Sure, but I just don't know what I can do about it. Well, Harry, that's what I wanted to talk to you. The folks know. What? Yes, the folks know that you're a flyer, and they're terribly, terribly proud of you. Oh, gosh, sis, that's wonderful. That's the greatest news I've had for weeks and weeks. Harry, there isn't any more time. Stay well and keep those letters coming. I will, Helen. And to you and the folks back home, keep that equipment to me, and Helen have the folks by war bonds, will you? It makes it feel good to hear about it. Amen. Yes, I will. Happy landings, Harry. So long, sis. Okay, we have a few seconds more. Anything else we can do for you, Sergeant Batman? Yeah, there is. But I don't want... You think I'm trying to be fair? Well, all you have to do is ask for it. Well, I'm not married, and I was wondering this, Rogers. Yes, Sergeant? Would you... Could you? Well, say it. Say it. Well, could you tell me your private Hollywood telephone number? <laughs> yes, I can, but not on a transatlantic hookup. I'll mail it to you. Good enough. Sorry, we've got to go now. Thanks a lot, Mr. Coleman and Miss Rogers. All right, thank, thank you. Thank you. Good, Good luck. Good, Good luck, boys. Gentlemen, the transatlantic circuit is broken and two American boys waiting on the edge of an English meadow turn toward their flying fortress. Two American boys. And if Miss Rogers and I have given them a few minutes of pleasure without play acting, we are happy indeed. And they will all be grateful to you if you carry through in your task of providing them with fighting equipment. Next week, Otto might cordially invite you to another half hour of Everything for the Boys. Your new global half hour uniting the home front and the fighting front. Your host, Ronald Coleman, will have as his special guest Miss Irene Dunn in Arch Oberler's dramatization based upon an exciting Jack London story, all at the express command of a group of fighting Marines who will listen in and then speak to Mr. Coleman and Miss Dunn directly from a base in the South Pacific. With our most sincere thanks to Ginger Rogers for being with us tonight, we leave you now until next week when the command of our fighting men from a base in the South Pacific we bring you Miss Irene Dunn. This is Ronald Coleman saying good night to you and the boys, and God be with you.
And now, this is Frank Martin saying good night for Autolite. Our program has come to you from Hollywood. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. We hope these old-time radio programs entertain and help you learn more about what Americans experienced during the war 80 years ago. Be sure to visit brickpicklemedia.com slash podcasts for past episodes and more information 